Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Liverpool One Church, you guys are sounding awesome today. It is so great to have you with us. Why don't you go ahead and take your seats real quick. Man, I'm so glad that you've been able to come and just join the party today and be with us and call Liverpool One Church your home. And um, hey, before we jump into anything today, just let me start off by saying this, that that, that song that you just heard play, being played now in number two, and I got really teary-eyed, you know, when the band started singing that because it was only a few years ago that we were doing all of this with, you know, 10 people in a living room. And now this week, I think that it's on... Um, Tuesday or Wednesday of this week that that track drops live on Spotify and on Apple Music and all of that. Yeah, because hey, and that's real good news because this is really just our way of, I guess, just wanting to live out God loud and make His name famous because we're not really trying to do anything other than just build the local church. But what we know and what we've experienced as a local church is that God is faithful. And if you've ever struggled with the idea of, well, I don't feel like God's faithful to me right now, what you need to do is look at the ways in which He's been continuously faithful to you in your past. And really, that's what that song is all about. It's about how God's promises really don't change at all. So make sure this week, if you're part of LOC family, like go online, jump on Spotify, download it. You can even search it now and you can pre-save it because, uh, man, it's just exciting times. And of course, it's exciting as well because we get to jump into next weekend, which is our first ever national conference weekend and we're going into the Liverpool uh, Convention Centre and Arena and we're super excited to be doing all of that but it is at the same time a little bit overwhelming when you think that man we have not got a clue what we're doing here and um, we're just glad that you're here for the journey for as long as it may last because who knows right who knows you know I have this one item that is on my bedside table We're allowed, well, really, Emma would say we're only allowed one thing, but on our bedside table, we have a lamp. I have a lamp and she has a lamp. But then the one item that I have immediately next to my lamp on my side of the bed, on my side of the bedside table, is I have this small blue inhaler that has a Ventolin capsule in. And... um, you know what, I've never really grown up with asthma, but for whatever the reason, typically sometimes sport-induced uh, tends to affect me quite badly. But I, I, sometimes I'll need this Ventolin inhaler and I'll have to like reach out in the middle of the night and I'm like, I can't breathe. So take a thing of the, uh, the Ventolin. And like, I've been doing this for years, like almost as, maybe not as long as we've been married, but for a real long time. I'm talking like decades, there's always been like a bedside lamp and there's been a Ventolin inhaler. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I went to reach out to my Ventolin inhaler and it just, it wasn't there. So anybody that's ever struggled with their breathing, you'll know exactly what you do when you can't find your inhaler. You kind of freak out a little bit because, you know, it's like your lungs are tight. You can't get enough air in your airways. And I'm like, I can't find my thing. Where's my thing? And I'm like, Em, have you seen my thing? And I'm rummaging around on the floor to see whether it's fallen somewhere or whether it's like, you know, gone under the bed. Like, where's my thing? And I said, Em, do you know where it is? And Emma just said, she goes, well, I've put it in the drawer downstairs. 
I said, well, that's funny, hon, because that's the little thing that keeps me alive. And for as long as we've been married, I've always been allowed my inhaler on the side of the bed. And apparently you're telling me now it has to live in the drawer downstairs, which is of no use to me at all. And then she just looked at me like straight face and she just goes, yeah, but it's kind of unsightly. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> but that little unsightly device keeps me alive, hon, you know? <laughs> I'm not keeping it there because I'm trying to aesthetically approve the appearance of our bedroom, you know? Like, nobody goes into our bedroom apart from me and you, Hondas. If it's unsightly to anybody, it's only unsightly to you. It's not unsightly to me. I'm like, that thing keeps me alive. That's the thing that enables me to breathe oxygen. That's the thing that enables me to take some air into my lungs when I'm struggling. Like, I need that thing and I need that thing to be there. So she's like, all right then. And I'm like, is this like a big deal for you to have my inhaler on the side of the bed? But you know, I was thinking about that story when I was thinking about what I was going to speak to you guys about today. I think that God has strategically positioned each and every one of us to almost act like a Ventolin inhaler to the people in our world too. That when you are around them, because you follow Christ, because you follow God, that you are the ones that have the ability to breathe life into whatever it is that they're going through. You are the ones that have the ability to illuminate their life with the goodness and the kindness and the compassion of God. And when you're not there, people around you are affected. When you're not there engaged in the game, ready to be utilised. It's like people's lives are affected. In fact, I'm going to go so far and I'm just going to put it out there and say this. I think that people's eternity, people's eternal destinations are adversely affected by whether or not you choose to engage in the role that God's placed you to play on the planet because God's not placed you on the planet because He thinks that you're a good aesthetic idea to pretty things up, you know? (laughs) Although some of you, you know, my wife particularly, hmm, pretty hot, right? But the bottom line is that you have been placed here for a reason and that reason is to show God's love and show God's kindness. That's why today as we're concluding our Saving the Nation series, I wanna talk to you about illumination and about how God's plan for you and your life is that you would illuminate all that He is and all that He has done for you to others so that they might experience God's love too. In fact, we say it like this, if you know that God has saved you and rescued you and brought you into a real and authentic life-giving relationship with Him, you can't keep that to yourself. So Liverpool One, let's pray. Father, I pray by Your Holy Spirit today that God, that You would just, You would take these really ordinary words and You'd bring them to life. Father, I pray that today by the power of Your Holy Spirit that You'd speak to our souls that Holy Spirit, that you would maybe make things clear that in the past have been cloudy. That Holy Spirit today, that as we leave church, we would all know, feel and sense like we've just heard from you. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said together, Amen. Okay, so I wanna jump into a passage of Scripture that's taken from Matthew's Gospel in chapter five that kind of reads like this and is gonna become the bedrock Scripture for today's talk. So if if you're making notes, make a note of this, or if you've got a Bible, then highlight this passage of Scripture. This is Jesus speaking and He says this statement. He says, let me tell you why you are here. 
Let's just stop there for a minute because it's interesting to me that even today, there are so many people all over the planet that are asking that question. Like, why am I here? There are so many people that even follow Jesus and are in churches and are loving on God and yet they spend so much time of their life asking the question like, why am I even here? What's God's plan for me? What's God's purpose for me? What does God have intended for me? Like, why am I here? Well, the good news is Jesus answered this question thousands of years ago and I don't know why it gets so confusing to us because it's here in black and white text. Jesus says, let me tell you exactly why you're here. And by the way, I'm just going to give you the forewarning. It might not be what you were expecting, but Jesus says, let me tell you guys why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. You know, I don't know a lot about cooking. My culinary skills are not really up there. But what I do know is this, just a little bit of salt can make even the most ropey of dishes taste edible. A little bit of salt, it has the ability to just bring out the right flavours in a dish. But even Jesus knew that there would be some men listening to this and he would know that they wouldn't be all that au fait with the kitchen talk. So he changed tract and he said this, well, here's another way to put it. If that doesn't make any sense to you, let me describe it to you another way. He says, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. He was saying, we're not keeping this to ourselves. He was saying this thing that you're about to be part of the local church, this is not going to be a case where you just meet within four walls and you contain these things just for you and you operate in your own little bless me God group. He was like, no, 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 no. You've got to understand that this thing, this kingdom of God that we're all going to be a part of building and growing together, it's expansive and it takes ground and it is visionary and it's able to do more and exceedingly than we could ever hope, dream or imagine. He's like, this thing, it's going to get going. We're not keeping this thing hidden. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? (laughs) This is where Jesus himself is saying, look, don't think for one minute that if I'm going to place within you the ability to literally change people's lives, don't think that I'm going to leave you hidden. Don't think that I'm going to leave you unutilized. Don't think that you're going to have a role to play that might equate to you as a bit of a non-job. He was saying that's not going to be the case at all. He goes on and says, I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you out there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So today we're going to be looking at this idea about how God wants you to illuminate the God colours that exist in our world. All these last few weeks we've been speaking about different nation words and today's nation words is that of illumination because I want to convince you today that no matter what your level of experience is in church, You might have been coming for a few years or this might be your first Sunday in. I want you to know that God wants to use you. You are his plan A. There is no plan B, but he wants to use you to illuminate his love and his kindness and his compassion to people that exist in your world. You're the weapon of choice. You are the reason why. When he saved you and he called you, it was so that you wouldn't keep that to yourself, but rather you would be talking to people about the goodness of God, that you would live life open-lived and open-housed so that you would illuminate and radiate 
all of God's goodness and God's kindness. Now, here's the bottom line. If you're in church today and this is like your first time, and maybe you're not even a Christian today, I'm so glad that you're here. Or if you tune in, in watching online and you're still just kind of hedging your bets and you're not too sure what you think and what you feel, I'm so glad you're here because we're building this people for people just like you because we were all in your shoes once. But the bottom line is, is that if you're not a follower of Jesus, <laughs> here's the good news for you. You kind of get off a little bit scot-free today. So there's gonna be no expectation placed upon you. None of this really applies to you. Although I do think that when we do it time to time, have these conversations in church, it's always great for you because you get to like sneak through the open door and just see what the family are talking about around the dining room table. And I'm glad that you're here and you're welcome to be a part to observe this conversation. I hope that one day this will apply to you too, but I'm just letting you know you get off scot-free and there is no expectation for you at all. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this is a game changer. If you confess that Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, By the end of today's talk, I want to encourage you so that you don't ever think that church is just something that you do or you're a part of because God's got a way bigger plan for utilizing you and your life in church and out of church wherever you go because you were designed and created by God, for God, to illuminate God in the world where you walk. So if you're a follower of Jesus, it gets a little heavy today but I think we're okay with heavy. And I also think that this scripture changes it for us all because it kind of gives us a scriptural reference point for us to turn back to. So if you are ever confused about why am I here? What's my calling in life? What's the purpose that I exist? What does God want from me? What does God want me to do? We now have a perfectly crystal clear biblical reference point that we can go back to. And that's Jesus saying, well, let me tell you why you're here. You're here because I want you to be salt and light. That's the bottom line. So now there's a really clear scriptural reference point for us all. But I think that Jesus was telling us this because he knew that just a few years on, a few hundred years on, Now, in our case, a few thousand years on, that the church globally would sometimes struggle with its natural trajectory, that sometimes the church would struggle with what started out to be so clear and so pure and so on mission that its natural trajectory is going to start to turn and become a little bit more inwards, a little bit more about God, what can you do for me? A little bit more about God, can you bless me? God, are you going to answer my prayer? I need the miracle. I want the prayer line. I want the moment. I want the experience. And Jesus was saying, no, no, I'm going to give you this scripture as a reference point. So if you're ever in that place, you just need to realign yourself so that you run in perfect sync with what I'm teaching, which is, hey, your salt and your light. It's not about you anymore. I think that Jesus knew that the longer the church would go on, the easier it would become for us to lose our focus from our originally intended purpose and calling. I think that Jesus knew that the longer the church would go on, the temptation would go off the chart high, off the scale high, in terms of its true inner north starting to turn inwards and for a start to all almost like find out, what what are you gonna do for me, God? Like, I'll follow you, God, but only if you do this. And Jesus was like, that's not what following Jesus is about at all. I think that Jesus was wanting us to know 
that sometimes we would just need a reminder from him that he has saved you and he has rescued you, that he has brought you out of darkness and into light. And let me tell you, folks, heaven and hell are real. And when we say that he has saved you, he saved you from eternal separation from God. It's a place called hell. And the reality of it is, is that now he saved you. It's your job to be on mission, to make sure that we take as many people to heaven, to avoid hell, as many people as we possibly can. That's our job. That's our remit. We don't just exist to sing some songs and have a nice time and say, bless you, brother. It's not our reality according to what the Scriptures would teach. So if you've ever wondered, why are you the only Christian in the office and everybody else has a completely contrasting lifestyle? If you've ever stood there and just wondered, like, why do I feel like I'm the lonely person in the office? Well, chances are it's because God's placed you there so that you could be light in a dark world. If you've ever wondered or thought about why, why are there only just a, a small pocket of handful of Christians on the shop floor? Because the reality of it is, is we live in the UK. We live in the Western world, but man, we're, we're way further on than even some of our friends in the States. I mean, like chances are you're probably one of the only Christians on the shop floor. And if you've ever wondered, like, why is that? Why, why don't I have like 10 friends? Well, I'll tell you the reason why. It's because God's placed you there strategically so that you could be light in a dark place. If you've ever wondered, why am I the only believer in college? Why am I the only follower of Jesus in university? Why am I the only follower of Jesus in the garage? I promise you, it's because that He wants you to illuminate His love and His kindness and His compassion by the way that you live your life. He was saying, this is it. There's a reason for you bringing the illumination of God's goodness to those that don't know him. And you get to play a part in all of that. He was saying, look, from this point on, if you're a follower of me, now it's no longer about you, it's about others. Now it's about even in the format of a local church, he was saying, this is now about you being on mission, you being part of a family, part of a community, that together you are all like laser guided like a missile, trying to hit a target of trying to bring and encourage and include people in your faith life so that they can experience the same good things from God that you've already experienced them. But it's not always easy. And if you're anything like me, chances are there are seasons in your life where you might feel like, hmm, I don't feel like I'm being that. If you're anything like me, I think that there are times and seasons when maybe you even struggle with the idea of, God, you'd want to use me. Are you serious? You really want me to be salt and light? Because I don't feel like I'm speaking to anybody right now. I don't feel like I'm reaching out to anybody in my world right now. And yet you're calling me to be salt and light. So what I want to try and do is remove some of the barriers that typically stop us from illuminating God's love and God's kindness and care and compassion to our world, to your world. And often it's, we're missing out on it because of really simple things. So I'm going to give you three thoughts, three ideas, really, that might help us all to bring illumination of God's word and his love to our world today. The first thing you've got to do is this. You've got to recognize the moments that God is going to give you. Recognize the moments. I think that there's a danger sometimes that we put church in a bit of a box, 
There's a danger sometimes that we think that we outwork our fellowship of Christ when we come to church because we're gonna be here for 70 minutes and we're gonna sing a couple of songs. We're gonna listen to a preacher for 35 minutes and then we're gonna go on our way and live our life. No, no, hang on a second. That's not what the Christian life looks like at all. Actually, this, what we're doing today, this is kind of like it's the huddle before we get to go and play the game in the week. This is like the football team that gather around each other's shoulders before they go and play 90 minutes worth of football. This is what we get to do in the church. This is what we're doing today. It's, it's just the huddle because you've got to know that you are to recognise the moments that God gives to you because he will be giving you moments. He will absolutely be bringing people across your path to give you a moment to somehow share God's love with them. And oftentimes those moments are going to come in ways that you never really expected. I was in the gym the other night and I got chatting with a guy who started to just tell me his life story. And you know the score, like you're trying to work out and do your thing and all of a sudden, we're having a life story moment in the gym. It always feels a little bit awkward. And you get all the backstory and the back history. And then for me anyway, it turns around to that question, which, you know, since leaving the police, I've always found it a difficult question to answer when people say, so So tell me, what do you do? Because I'm like, well, yeah, I'm kind of like a vicar, but I'm not a vicar. I'm called a pastor, but you've probably never heard of that word pastor. In other words, I lead a church. Really? Yeah. People still go to church today? Well, actually, yeah, loads of people still go to church today. Perhaps not the type of church that you think of in your mind. And Really? And, then, and then, then we just hit it running. Man, then we've got like every problem under the sun coming at me right now as to the reasons, well, I don't go to church because of this. And what about the Catholic church? And what about, the, and I'm like, look, I can't answer for every church in the world. I just don't feel like I'm qualified for that. Yeah, but the thing is, when, when I was 11, there was this guy and, and I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry that happened and I can't believe that either. And, but here's the thing, it's just one of those awkward moments. And I'm listening to this guy in the gym and he's like reeling off his multitude of reasons why he'll never go to church again. And then he asked me, well, what our church was like? And I just thought, oh God, is this one of the moments that you're asking me to speak about? Please let it not be one of those moments. <laughs> so then I'm just starting to have a conversation with him. And you know what? Um, I don't know what your gym is like, but normally, normally, I'm kind of like in and out 55 minutes. That's kind of my, my goal. But there are some times when I have my gym bag with me, and if I've got my gym bag with me, it means that I've got my swimming stuff, and it means I can go in the jacuzzi afterwards. Now, I know that sometimes really all I do is feel like going in the jacuzzi, but I connected with this guy, and we were getting on, and there was a couple of us training together, and he was like, hey, I'm going in the jacuzzi. And I'm like, this is a God moment. I'll go in the jacuzzi then. <laughs> so now, like, having literally been exhausted and like my phone is blowing up because Emma's like, where are you? What time's tea? And I'm like, yeah, just doing the work of the ministry, Lord. Uh, <laughs> she can say nothing, honestly. Like you should try it sometime. Yeah, just, just ministering for Jesus. If you've got a problem with it, take it up with him. But I'm now in the jacuzzi with this guy having this deep, meaningful conversation about like what church is. And I'm just thinking maybe that's a moment. And I think that maybe what I'm finding about these moments is that when these moments come across your path, You've got to play the long game. You can't embrace these moments and almost think that if he doesn't get saved in the jacuzzi, because that would be cool because I could baptise him as well, but, but <laughs> you've got to play the long game and just think that like one conversation in our culture, chances are one conversation, they're probably not going to trust you enough to come to your church. Just saying it. One conversation, they're probably not going to get saved. 
One conversation, like on a scale of one to 10, if they're starting at zero, at best, they might only jump to a one in terms of their warmth to even just listening to you. But here's the thing for me in that God moment, and I felt it was a God moment. And my mate said to me afterwards, like, man, you were talking deep. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna get him into church. Now, here's the thing. It might take me 10 conversations. It might take me 50 conversations, but I believe this. I believe that God's put me in that gym at that time for a reason. And I think that if what Jesus said to us all is true, then it's true for me too. He's like, let me tell you why you're here. Salt and light. So what am I doing? I'm gonna be salt and I'm gonna be light and I'm not gonna miss out on a moment that God wants to bring somebody across my path. Psalm 37, 23 says this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Now, if you understand that, what that means to you is this. You know, when you're set to go to a restaurant after dinner today, it means if your steps have been ordered by God, you're just not going for you to just have fun. And it's not just about you. Chances are it's about the waitress that you're gonna bump into or about the parking attendant that's just gonna be about to write you a ticket, but you can share Jesus with him and then he can discard that ticket. Hallelujah. <laughs> You know, like when you start digging in and you think, yeah, and there's so many inappropriate things that are like raging around my head right now. And I'm like, shh, don't speak, Luke. Just read the script, okay? So we're gonna re-engage. Come with me, Musa. Proverbs 16 verse nine tells us this. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You know what that tells me? That when you're leaving work, and you're walking out of the office and somebody who's a friend of yours that really never speaks about this area of their life, you've never even known them to be sick before. They've never taken a day off leave. They've never been known to you to visit the doctor. The moment when they walk out and they just make that statement to you and to nobody else, they go, oh, I've just got to fly by the hospital and pick something up. And then you have that almost that inner check when you think, hmm, I've never heard him speak like that before. I've never heard him say anything like that before. I think that they're the God moments that God is putting across our path that he wants us to jump on. Or when the lady in the office turns around and she just starts to say, oh, you won't believe what I'm dealing with with my kids. And you say, oh, what? Oh, nothing, it doesn't matter. There, it's a God moment. There's a reason why she's saying that to you and not to everybody else. There's a reason why she's wanting to engage with you the moment when a wife turns around and says, I've got something going on with my husband, but I don't want to go into it. I promise you, there's a reason why they're saying that to you. And I think that what we've got to understand is that you are put on the planet and God's going to give you moments where you get to speak into people's lives. And it's those moments that he would want you to step into and not walk away from and say, well, why don't you tell me the story? What, what is it you go in the hospital for? Hey, I know these conversations are awkward. Tell me your story. Hey, tell me what's happening in your world. Hey, what is it that's going on with your teenage son? What are you dealing with with your daughter? Like, tell me what's happening. And then at the end of that conversation, can I encourage you to start to make something to be very normal, but for us in our culture feels very abnormal? Why don't you, at the end of the conversation, just let them know, hey, you know what, I'm gonna be praying for you. And chances are you're gonna get a really abrupt response or be like, well, I don't believe in any of that. What were you doing that for? But I'm saying, no, no, I want that to become our language. Hey, listen, I'm letting you know that I'm gonna pray for you. But can you do me a favor? Liverpool one, serious moment. Can you please never tell somebody that you're going to pray for them and then go home and never pray for them? Because even though they're saying to you, I don't believe in any of that, 
all you actually do when you don't pray for them and then nothing happens in their life that is good is it just reinforces their already existent held belief that says, well, a new prayer doesn't work anyway. Why would I pray? Whatever you do, don't with your words do the same thing that we do in a text message when we send the prayer emoji. What does that mean anyway? Because you're not. Because you're not. Like if you're going to say you're going to pray for someone, actually engage and pray for them. The second thing that I think that we've got to do if we're going to understand that God wants to use us to bring illumination to our world, the people in our world, is that we've got to refocus on the manner in which we live. I want to talk to you about your manners. And can I just start off by saying this? There is nobody that has felt more convicted about what I'm about to bring to you than me. Because I want to speak to you about the manners and the way in which you speak to other people and interact with other people. Because here's the reality. I know that for most of the time, I'm a really nice guy, but you put me in a car and sometimes I'm barely even saved. I mean, literally, I was at the roundabout the other night and it was my fault. I was in the wrong lane and I had to jump a car and this lady, she sat on the horn so long, like literally for about 10 seconds, I drove after the car. And then I was like, what, what, and what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> you know what I'm thinking? Oh, Sometimes you just make some stupid mistakes, but I want to just talk to you about the way in which we interact with other people, because if God's going to give us moments, we can undo those moments unless our manners are right. Notice I'm not talking about whether or not the gospel is right, because I'm telling you, it's not the gospel that's the problem. It's us. We're the problem. It's the way in which we interact and speak to people. It's our mannerisms. <laughs> it's the reasons why I actually would never have um, one of those fish stickers on the back of the car because I just don't trust myself to like reputationally destroy the church, you know? Um, and if you've got a fish sticker, rip that sucker off. <laughs> I actually think that those were probably like pushed on us by someone that had a great idea once of convincing us that if you have a fish sticker on the back of your car, not only does it mean that you are a Christian, it actually means that you are currently, every time you drive, being salt and light on the road. But today, honestly, I've never heard of anybody having a life-changing Damascus Road experience on the hard shoulder of the M62 because they saw a fish on the back of a Toyota Prius. I just haven't seen that yet. <laughs> truth is, it's the manners in which we welcome people into church that counts. It's the manners by which we show people to the seat that counts. It's not showing them the seat. It's the manners by which we high five and give out sweets that counts. It's not the giving out of sweets and high fiving because you can undo all of, all of that great work by simply not having the right manners. In fact, can I ask one thing of us as a church family when it comes to our mannerisms can we be positive and not negative? You know what? I can't stand negative people. Like some people only know how to communicate in the negative form. You know, they always have to bring an issue. Like, I need to talk to you about the thing. Yeah, I wasn't told about this or something doesn't work and something's not functioning correctly. Hey, I have no problem at all in being told no. I have no problem in being told something's broke. I have no problem at all in being told the system is not functioning right. But you know what? I do have a problem if the only thing that you can bring is the negative stuff. I do have a problem if we're not able to communicate to one another in a positive kind of way. You can tell me no, but just say it in a way that makes me believe that you're committed to fixing this thing, not just in a way that you're wanting to dump and offload all of your negativity. That's what followers of Jesus are called 
called to be like. I don't really see it anywhere in Scripture that we have a license to be negative. We've been saved and rescued by a really good God, and I think that we should live that out joyfully. We should show that in our lives. In fact, some people say to me, oh, I could never serve a God that sends people to hell. I could, could never believe in that kind of a God. You know what my response is? Me neither, because John 3.16 tells me that God so loved the world, He loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him may not die but have eternal life. In other words, He's already made a way for everybody to go to heaven and be with Him. He's made a way, it's possible. So it's not about Him being a nasty God sending everybody to hell. It's about Him being a good God, a loving God, a caring God that's saying, come this way instead. That's what it's about. Can we bring the positivity and can we find the common ground and not the battleground? You know what? Some people can only be known for what they're against and never for what they're for. And I get it. People are people. Sometimes, you know, they're going to have character traits that can frustrate you and annoy you. And maybe even sometimes they're going to have certain lifestyles that are different to yours. But can I just put it like this? I'm not really asking you to to agree with everybody. I'm asking you to accept them. It's simple. I'm asking you and saying, can we find the common ground and not the battleground? Because Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, he uses this expression where he basically says, you know, to the weak, I'm going to become weak. I'm going to become all things to all men in order that I might save some. And I think that the same calling is placed on our lives too. Can we almost embody a a mindset that says it's about their perspective and not mine? Because here's the bottom line, I'm not asking you to believe in what they believe. I'm just asking you to understand it. I'm asking you to be kind. I'm asking you to be positive, not believe it, just understand it. You know, in the Gospels, there were 307, there were, well, Jesus in the four Gospels, he asked 307 questions. Yet he was asked 183 questions. And of the 183 questions that he was asked, he only actually directly answered eight of them, which tells me that Jesus was 40 times more likely to listen than he was to make a statement or a proclamation. I think that that right there is the model for how we're called to live our life. In fact, Paul, check this out. Paul went to this one particular city that was deemed to be a secular city. And in Acts 17, it recounts him going to this bunch of people that were trying to be religious, but they were doing it in a way that he felt was actually wrong. And this is what Paul says to them. He says, so Paul took his stand. In fact, let's just jump. He says this, it's plain to see that you Athenians take your religious, your religion seriously. He's saying this, I can see that you are worshipping false idols. I can see that you're making all of these wooden items and that you're bowing down and you're worshipping them. But notice how he didn't go into them and turn around and say, hey guys, you've got this so wrong. You're messing this whole thing up. What do you think you're doing? You know what he did? He went, guys, wow. I can see that you really take your religion seriously. He was complimenting them on what they were doing. He was being positive. He was finding the common ground. And then he goes on and he says, when I arrived here the other day, I was fascinated with all the shrines. Imagine that. Do you know what we would do? Ooh. Paul was going, wow, look at all this. You've got like shrine here, shrine there. Wow, isn't this? Wow, I've never seen something like this before. You guys are so committed. And then I found one inscribed to the God that nobody knows. Now he finds his common ground. And he says, I'm here to introduce to you this God so that you can worship intelligently, know who you're dealing with. You know what he was saying? Wow, you're so religious. Wow, look at what you guys have done. But 
can I just redirect you a little bit? Can I just have a conversation with you? Because the God that you're saying that you don't even know who he is, I know who he is. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what I've experienced. It's about unconditional love. It's not about conditional love. It doesn't mean that you have to accept or approve every, sorry, it doesn't mean that you don't have to approve everybody. It just means that you have to accept everybody. That's why we've got a great big sign on the wall of our church. This is we're about everyone. Why? Because everyone's welcome here. It's the bottom line. The third thing that I want you to know today is this. We also have to relay a message of hope to a broken world. Like we're called to be salt and light but we're not just called to be salt and light and just do good deeds and just be kind. We're called to be salt and light. And the differential of being salt and light versus not being it is whether or not we're actually able to convey a message of hope to a broken world. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Can I just encourage you, church? Can we just choose today that we're again gonna commit to being salt and light? Again, just choose to not leave and expect somebody else to bring their world to church, but can you bring their world to church? Can you bring your world to church? Can you share your faith with your world? Can you let whoever is in your world that you're gonna be praying for them when they're going through a thing? You know, the truth is, is that for us as a church, we're trying really hard to get this right. And we're always looking at opportunities and ways that we can facilitate this. That's why we've made a decision that on the first weekend of the next two months before we jump into summer and people start going away and all of that, but next weekend is gonna be the first Sunday in June. We're gonna be bringing in an absolutely world-class guest speaker. It's gonna be our conference Sunday. And it's gonna be such a brilliant Sunday to be in the room, in person, Don't miss it. We don't want you to. But we're also going to be bringing a guest worship leader in Jake Isaac. He's going to be in the room leading worship with us next Sunday because we want you to invite your world. And then on the first Sunday in July, I've got one of my best friends in all the world, Pastor Sean Johnson from Red Rocks Church, Denver, Colorado. And let me tell you guys, right, he don't go speaking for a lot of people. Like it's just not, he's not, he doesn't have the motivations that a lot of people think that they need to have in order to do what he does. Like he says no to loads of people because it's just not his thing, but he's gonna be joining us for church on the first Sunday in July. Put it in your diary. I want you to bring your world because it's our job to be salt and to be light. Next week, Liverpool won. We jump in to our Braveheart Conference. Hey, that's just our attempt to be salt and to be light. It's about us saying that we're not prepared to just keep what we've got in these four walls and have it for us and no more. It's about putting a statement down. It's about putting a stake in the ground saying, no, no, we take the gospel seriously. We take the words of Jesus seriously. We take the red text unbelievably seriously. And if Jesus is calling us to be salt and light, then that's what we're gonna do. We're not prepared to follow Jesus and then 
not do what He's asking of us. So next weekend, we are literally, I mean, we are betting the farm and we are going big as we try and shout out about the name of Jesus and make His name famous. Because the reality of it is, the only thing that you can take with you to heaven is people. You can't take any of your stuff. You can't take your Tesla. You can't take your new house. You can't take your new holiday. You can't take your new thing, the watch, the horse, the car, the thing. You can't take any of your stuff to heaven. The one thing that you get to take to heaven with you are the people whose lives have been impacted by your willingness to simply be a follower of the red text and say, God, I'm willing to be salt and to be light. I'm willing if you're gonna trust me and bring people across my path whose lives are gonna intersect with mine, I'm gonna trust you're putting me there for a reason. So I'm gonna talk about your goodness. I'm gonna share my story. I'm gonna talk about the way in which you've taken my life out of darkness and brought it into light, that you've rescued me from an eternal separation from you. Because Liverpool won. We do not exist to create a social club, a Sunday club just for us. We exist for those that are still yet to come. I'm glad that there's still a little bit of space. I'm glad that there's still a bit of space because it means we can bring and include our world. So this week, Liverpool won. Let's make sure that no matter where we are and who we're with, we are illuminating God's love and God's kindness with the people that are in our world. Time is gone. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray real quick and then we're going to worship some more. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I know that maybe this hasn't been the easiest thing for me to talk on today, but God, I feel like I've given it my best to encourage people to follow your word and actually action what you ask of us and teach us to do. So Holy Spirit, would you help us this week and these coming months, would you help us to live out our lives in a way that represent you well? Help us to be salt and help us to be light. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. With every head still bowed and every eye still closed. Hey, listen, we're gonna worship real quick in a moment, but if you are one of those people that we spoke about right at the beginning of church today, maybe you're just in checking things out and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I'm gonna give you a moment right now. I'm gonna earnestly plea with you to choose in trusting in a God that loves you so much that He gave His absolutely everything for you. He bet the farm for you when He gave Jesus His life on a cross so that anybody that believes in Him gets heaven doesn't have to experience eternal separation from God. You get that. So if you wanna make your peace with God today, you wanna give your life to Him, you wanna choose to become a follower of Jesus whilst nobody else is looking around and every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you wanna pray this prayer, then do it in your heart after me right now and then we're gonna sing together. Father, I come to you today and I believe that you're real. I believe that you gave your son to die on a cross for me. So I'm putting my faith in you. I'm trusting you for real. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. And I wanna repent and turn from all of that. I pray that you'd make the way clear for me to know you more. So come and live in my heart. 
come and take over my life as from this point forward, I'm calling myself a Christian and a follower of you. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.